Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Okay, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Almost here, around the corner of future technology. I'm here today with uh, Ken Vertanian, a VP of marketing at Optomec.com. It's O-P-T-O-M-E-C.com. And Optomec uh, does a lot of different things in the 3D printing world with uh, various materials. But I'm going to let uh, Ken talk about that more. So welcome. How are you doing, sir? Great. Great, Richard. Thanks for uh, the opportunity to talk to your audience. Yeah. So if you would, just you know, tell listeners uh, what does Optimac do on a, on a real layman's level? You know, what are some of the unique things you guys do? Okay. Well, I think uh, just about everybody has heard about uh, 3D printing these days. And um, <clears throat> what Optimac uh, focuses in on is industrial 3D printing. So uh, our 3D printers are uh, primarily sold to businesses who then use uh, our printers as part of their manufacturing products to to build those products um, and sell them in the marketplace. Okay. What are some of the um, materials that you print with, for instance? Like, what are the most common ones and maybe one or two unique or unusual ones? Sure. So, uh, Optimac has actually uh, two different 3D printing technologies, and I'll talk about them both a little bit in depth now. Uh, the first is called Lens, L-E-N-S. Uh, it's a technology that uses a high-powered laser and uh, powdered metal to build or repair new parts. So this, this uh, process can print materials uh, such as uh, stainless steels, tool steels, uh, it can also print titanium, inconel, um, more super uh, alloy kinds of materials that are used uh, in the aerospace industry. So this printer can can be used to either build new parts from scratch directly from a from a CAD model, or it can be used to repair or put wear coatings on existing components to either restore them or extend their useful life. So that's lens technology. It's pretty cool. Uh, we've got about well, 80 systems in the field today uh, using uh, the lens uh, technology as part of their manufacturing process. And then the oh, so this allows companies. That, the, sorry to interrupt. The lens technology <clears throat> allows companies that are manufacturing to not have to stop every time something breaks or wears down and order a part. They can fix or replace on their own. Uh, that's exactly right. That is certainly one one area that um, they can use the products for. As a matter of fact, um, tell you a little story about a, a company right based in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is where our our uh, corporate headquarters uh, resides. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a company that makes uh, salsa. Uh, it's called Salsa 505. And just prior to Christmas, their manufacturing line broke down because of a gear that uh, that failed. And when they went back to the manufacturer of that gear to buy a new one, it was going to take eight weeks. So 
So they came to Optimec. Wow. We don't typically do service, but they came to uh, Optimec and uh, asked us if we could help them out. And we were able to restore that gear back into uh, operational mode within a day or so, and they were back up and running. So that certainly is an example of uh, how uh, additive manufacturing or 3D printing can be used to add materials to existing parts to repair them. And, mm -hmm. you know, the aerospace industry is uh, very interested in this kind of uh, technology as well uh, to repair uh, engine components, to restore them. These are typically very, very high-value components that are made out of materials such as titanium, and replacing those uh, can be very expensive. But repairing them uh, and restoring them can be done uh, on a much more cost-effective basis. So uh, that's an example of how lens uh, can be used to repair uh, components that were damaged, or maybe not even in production anymore. You know, maybe uh, for some of the older military components, for instance, um, you, you know, you can't buy some of the components that go into uh, weapon systems. Uh, because these systems are typically 20, 30 years old now, and uh, those those components are no longer available. So is Optimic going to expand into this um, repair on demand uh, industry, or are you going to stick to more of the, uh, you know, enabling you to to do it on your own in your own facility on an ongoing basis? So uh, we sell equipment. Uh, we sell the printers, and there are service companies out there that can provide, uh, who use our equipment, who can provide repair services uh, using lens technology. They can also provide rapid prototyping uh, capabilities. But as well, many large manufacturers want to bring this technology in-house because it is so flexible. It can be used, as I said, for uh, rapid prototyping of new metal parts, or it can be used right. for um, manufacturing new parts, uh, or, or as I said, uh, putting wear coatings and repairing. So right across the entire product life cycle, uh, the lens technology uh, can provide value to companies. Right. All right, so besides lens, what, uh, what other technology were you about to mention that is interesting and unique that, that uh, you guys provide? The other uh, technology is called aerosol jet, and this technology um, allows printing of electronic materials. So we can we can print, for example, conductive inks, dielectric materials, semiconductor materials, uh, conductive case, uh, and a wide variety of materials that are typically used by the electronic industry to make. Uh, consumer electronic uh, devices or medical medical devices uh, that um, that require uh, highly integrated uh, electronic components. Mm, okay. Um, quick, this is probably an unusual question. I would guess that I would guess that certain parts in certain industries, you know, the automotive industry or you know, high tech manufacturing need to have certain tolerances or maybe perhaps be certified in order to be able to be put into a system. So do companies run afoul of regulations where your system, the lens system or this other one can, you know, fix or replace a part 
but yet they wouldn't be able to use it because it's not certified somehow for their use or under their conditions? Yes, that's a great question. And uh, I'm going to jump back to the aerosol jet um, uh, process to give you an example of uh, how uh, the printed uh, components that we make have got to be compliant to various uh, standards. For, for uh, cell phones, for instance, uh, you know, there's more and more power today that you hold in your hand uh, than, than could even be imagined 20 years ago. And all of the electronics that are um, in that cell phone are vying for uh, limited real estate. Uh, you know, the, the cell phones are getting thinner and smaller, so the ability for cell phone manufacturers to pack more and more electronics, to put more and more power in your, in your palm is becoming more challenging. But one of the ways they're getting around that is to actually print uh, the electronics onto the structure of the, of the case. So rather than having a separate printed circuit board, for instance, a two-dimensional printed circuit board where you mount components, uh, instead uh, they are printing things like sensors, they're printing antennas right on the case or on the frame uh, of, the, of the cell phone that you hold in your hand. Uh, it's, it's much more efficient from a real estate standpoint to do that. It uh, takes up less room. And it allows for more and more antennas and sensors to be put in your phone. Today, there's probably over a half a dozen different antennas alone that are in your phone, and more and more sensors as these as these products become smarter and smarter. So, in order for um, that to happen, Aerosol Jet um, can print these electronic materials. Uh, on three-dimensional structures so that they conform to the surface. But now cell phones get pretty abused when we use them in our daily lives. And the cell phone manufacturers want to make sure that not only those antennas will perform well, but also they're going to be able to withstand the environmental hazards that we put them under. So some of the testing, compliance testing, that we have to pass for these cell phones to be used and, uh, by, by uh, handset OEMs are things like uh, salt spray test, uh, where they spray the, the uh, antenna after it's been printed on the plastic case with salt, then um, uh, put it under temperature and humidity to really stress uh, how well that antenna is going to hold on, how well it's going to adhere to the substrate under these various uh, adverse conditions. They actually, after they expose it to that, they put a piece of tape on it, they score the tape. It's uh, called the ASTM 5B test. They pull the tape off and that antenna better, had better uh, remain affixed to the, to the substrate. So depending upon the industry, there are different sets of standards that uh, we need to comply to, uh, regulatory as well as quality standards that we need to comply to. Uh, and, and the technology is not going to be adopted uh, just because it's cool. It's got to, be, it's got to meet these quality uh, requirements, and it has to be cost-effective. And that's probably the most important thing. It can't be more expensive to bring in 3D printing technology 
than the current methods that, uh, that companies use, current manufacturing method. It has to be more cost effective. Yeah, that's true. Um, I have a question about the printers themselves that you have. Um, the average person looks at like a hobbyist printer, you know, that uh, they want to have in everyone's home and thinks, oh, I can 3D print all kinds of cool things with that. What's the difference between the printers you guys have, the industrial ones, and a hobbyist? What can be done, what can't be done on a hobbyist machine and how different are they? Well, uh, typically the hobbyist machines today deal with polymers and they're kind of desktop units that uh, can print either a plastic filament or plastic powder and um, you know create a, a three-dimensional part uh, in plastic. Uh, with the Optimic printers, uh, we're first dealing with um, uh, more functional materials, and, and I mean that in terms of you know uh, steels, metals, and as well as uh, conductive kinds of materials. So uh, these these materials are um, a little bit more challenging to process. Uh, on the on the lens side, we require a high-powered laser uh, to melt the powder as we are depositing and building up the part. These lasers can be, you know, a kilowatt, two kilowatts, five kilowatts in power. So that's wow. something you're typically going to find in your home. Yeah. And um, on the aerosol jet side, you know, again, when you think about the example I gave on printing cell phones, you know, every year there are billions of cell phones manufactured uh, every year. So the technology that we provide has got to be scalable. So it's got to be fast, it's got to be scalable so that we can meet the volume requirements uh, that our customers have. Uh, so for an example, uh, we have uh, printers today operating in Asia. Uh, they're running 24 hours a day, seven days a week, producing thousands and thousands of antennas every single day on a single machine. So you know it's a it's a different it's a different volume scale that we're talking about here uh, compared right. to the home user and different uh, kinds of power levels that are necessary to be able to uh, provide the capabilities to handle these materials. You know, it's a completely different beast. Okay, I just wanted to know the, the some of the differences in case anyone had a misconception about them. Yeah, and and the and, pricing is a little different too. Yeah, sure. Orders of magnitude different, how you would guess too. Okay, so in a, in a way, three D printing is just another type of manufacturing, additive manufacturing. It's not this. It it is, but it's not necessarily this magical, mystical technology that's completely different from anything out there. You know, uh, Richard, that's a great point. I know a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, the third industrial revolution or the revolutionary aspects of uh, 3D printing. Uh, from an industrial standpoint, we think of it as an evolutionary technology. So you're right. It's It's got to fit in to the existing manufacturing operations that our customers have. It's got to provide value uh, over what they're currently doing, and it's got to be more cost-effective. So mm. it is uh, evolutionary. Uh, we think and we look for opportunities when we work with our clients 
uh, to find parts uh, of their process, a part of their current manufacturing process that could be improved with additive manufacturing technology. And that can be done, you know, again, it's got to start, it's, we've got to be able to do it cheaper. And then there are many other benefits that uh, can come out of this because it's a digitally driven process. It's easier for our customers to make changes. They don't have to change tooling, hard tooling to do this. They can change a design file. And uh, now they've implemented an engineering change quite easily because the printer is really driven by an electronic file. And it, uh, it doesn't care what those digits look like. As long as uh, it's driving the machine correctly, we can print anything. We can print a sensor or an antenna. We can print uh, an aircraft wing or we can print a uh, artificial implant on the same machine. So it is, um, it is much more flexible, so it provides uh, that benefit. And um, as mentioned, it's more cost effective and it's more environmentally friendly. Uh, we're using uh, just the materials uh, that are necessary to build the part. Uh, so in many other manufacturing processes today, like CNC machining, when you start with a block of material and cut mm -hmm. away 90% of it to make uh, an aircraft part of some kind, uh, that can be much more expensive because you're throwing away more material than you're using. And same in the electronics world. Uh, there can be uh, harsh chemicals that are often used in plating and etching processes in more of a subtractive mode, uh, whereas when we're printing an antenna, for instance, we print the pattern on the plastic, and then we heat it up, and it's all done. So there's uh, you know, less environmental impact with this technology as well. Yeah, you see it'd be a huge difference in efficiency because subtractive manufacturing, by definition, they're going to be leftovers. So if you're lucky or you're skilled, you can recycle them, but um, I'm sure more often than not, it creates tremendous waste. Absolutely. So I see that as a big difference. Okay. Absolutely. Very good. Interesting. So since you're um, an insider in the industry, what you talked about what's happening right now, You know, some of the things that can be printed what about the near term and maybe five years out? What's possible and what's fantasy, in your opinion, on what can be done with 3D printing? So, um, you know, again, from, from my perspective, uh, we see some really cool emerging application areas for 3D printing, uh, things that are going to be life-altering for people. Uh, it, again, it has to do with uh, how we can apply, for instance, electronics uh, in areas, uh, especially in the wearable areas, uh, where we can improve uh, human life and yet uh, do it in a very uh, unobtrusive uh, kind of way. Uh, many of our customers, I wish I could, I could uh, tell you more about this, but many of our customers um, in, uh, are, are developing products based on aerosol jet 3D printing technology that has that potential to improve the quality of life for people. And as well, uh, similarly, in, in more of an industrial setting, um, we're seeing similar uses of products, our products to make devices smarter. Uh, these can be um, structural devices 
for instance, that uh, where we can place sensors that conform uh, to the surface of a part and measure its strength, measure its um, uh, I'm, I'm slipping here a little bit again. Cut this out. I'll start again here. Uh, measure okay. its measure its structural integrity and be able to predict when uh, these components or parts may fail uh, before they actually do fail. So again, these this is called structural health monitoring. Uh, we're going to see a lot more of uh, structural health monitoring. We're going to see a lot more of a wearable technology that could only be done with 3D printing. Uh, right. And that, again, is going to uh, impact, uh, I think, uh, the quality of human life. Why are wearables, uh, why do wearables need 3D printing? Because in order to truly be uh, comfortable on the body, or is it because people's bodies are so different? Or why, um, why do you think wearables may not get as far along as they could without 3D printing? Well, there, there are certainly examples today where there are certain uh, wearable products that, that uh, don't require 3D printing. But as we get down into a scale where we want um, 3D printing to become basically, or, or to, to uh, make, pro let me start again. When we get down to a scale where we want uh, the electronics to basically be invisible, to be unobtrusive, at all to the user. Uh, the technology to do that uh, requires us to print electronics that are down at the micron scale. So mm. in, in essence, uh, you know, the human hair is about 100 microns in diameter. So when we're printing down at 10, 10 microns or below, you basically can't see the electronic circuits that we are printing. Right. And this is this is uh, critical in certain applications. Again, uh, if I could if I could uh, disclose them to you, they would be immediately obvious as to why you want to have uh, invisible uh, circuitry uh, for these kinds of wearable applications. But mm -hmm. um, hopefully, here in the near future, you will have an opportunity to see some of these devices and um, experience them. Okay, interesting. Um, what about, uh, you know, I've heard about printing of organs or fingers or ears or skulls or, is that possible? You know, actually printing biological uh, pieces of people and putting it yeah, into them, um, not just a, pr a prosthetic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there there are people uh, who are, are doing that. Um, we, are, our aerosol jet uh, technology as well uh, can print. Uh, DNA, can print RNA, uh, living cells. Uh, so it it is being done. It's a, it's an area again of uh, research that's pretty much uh, in the lab today, and that holds a lot of a lot of uh, promise, uh, as, as you can well imagine. Okay. Is the what would be your guess on when that kind of technology may come to market? You know, I think we're starting to see some of it now. There, there are, are some things that have been done on the lab scale, but I think there's still um, quite a bit of work needed needed to be done, uh, and again, regulatory uh, issues that need to be overcome before that kind of technology becomes 
Mm. Okay. Um, maybe a couple more questions about um, your process. So, you guys sell the 3D printers to accomplish, you know, certain needs. Um, how do companies make the bridge from them having a broken part to getting the necessary design to replace it? You know, to to getting to the point where they, you know, if let's say they don't want to buy a machine or they, you know, they just need a couple pieces printed and the cost of buying a 3D industrial printer is too much. Is there an intermediary where um, <clears throat> where companies can go? Do you, are you that intermediary or what, what do you recommend for them? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, in addition to the, you know, equipment, there is uh, quite a bit of uh, process knowledge uh, that our customers have acquired over time on how to use this technology to affect uh, a, a repair or build a prototype part. So we do have um, service uh, bureaus that we can recommend. They're actually on our website at uh, www.optimex.com. If you go uh, to that website, you'll see a section there called Global Partners. And uh, there you'll see a list of companies that uh, can provide uh, services for both repair and manufacture of structural metal components, and as well for um, repair and manufacture of electronic devices using uh, Optimec products. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so of the people that you serve, what kind of companies would, would make the best clients for you? Which ones uh, may not be at that point? You know, for people listening uh, that are considering using your service? Yeah. So, um, you know, our, today we have uh, about 200 installations in uh, about 20 countries around the world. And they span hmm. different industries, as you can imagine, because 3D printing has kind of caught the imagination of uh, companies from uh, aerospace, power generation, to medical implants, uh, to military applications. Um, so for the metal technology, uh, you know, all of those industries today are using uh, our technology uh, in one form or another uh, to affect improvements in their current processes. And uh, on the electronic side, you know, again, uh, here we are uh, working with uh, customers in the consumer electronics industry, for instance, uh, both contract manufacturers and uh, original equipment manufacturers uh, who, who utilize our technology for uh, miniaturization and functionalization of uh, plastic parts. So this is, mm. this is a, a, an area of, uh, of, of great interest for our uh, technology. And as well, uh, you know, again, military, aerospace, power generation, um, uh, traditional, uh, anywhere you find traditional uh, electronics being manufactured today, where size and weight and functionality are uh, critical elements that are driving designs, where we want to get more and more functionality into less and less space. And, you know, one good example of that are all of these Internet of Things devices that are, that are coming out that need to be connected, that need to be smart, 
these sensors and antennas embedded into the end devices so that they can communicate up to the cloud mm. and and uh, report on their condition. Any of those kind of products, and we we have customers today who are using our technology to to develop next generation products that kind of fit in those categories. Okay. And well, last few questions. Do you know of any companies that are using the aerosol jet uh, deposition method, or that you're using, or is it proprietary just to your company? Yeah, we have uh, quite a few patents surrounding the aerosol jet technology. I think uh, last count, it's uh, probably 40, 50 patents, so it's uh, pretty well protected. And some of those patents are more recent than others, but yeah, we we are uh, very protective of uh, that technology and. As well, what we've done with uh, Lens, we originally uh, licensed that Lens technology from Sandia National Labs, and since then have commercialized it and improved on it. So, um, you know, there there are other methods out there uh, for printing electronics and printing metals, and uh, customers or prospects should really examine all of the methods. We invite them to do so, uh, but I think you'll find that. You know, some of the things that uh, we do uh, with aerosol jet uh, or can be done with aerosol jet are quite unique. Uh, you know, the ability to print, uh, as I already mentioned, very, very fine features down to 10 microns uh, and even lower in some cases, all the way up wow. to millimeters and centimeters all in a, in a single pass. Uh, the ability to print on three-dimensional surfaces. Uh, and the ability to handle a wide variety of substrates uh, and the scalability of the technology are quite unique aspects of, um, of aerosol jet. And on the lens side, you know, we have almost two decades, OptiMec has almost two decades of experience, um, you know, working with 3D technology for uh, printing metal parts and repairing metal parts. So, again, it's a Pretty well proven technology. It's uh, industrially hardened, and um, as I said, in use uh, in, in quite a few different locations uh, today. Okay. Well, very good. Um, so again, for people listening uh, that want to, you know, talk to you about um, possibly getting one of your printers or more of them into their facility, what what's the best way for people to contact you to find out more? So the best way is just to go on to our website at uh, www.optimec.com. Uh, you'll find a number of different ways. Uh, first, you'll learn a lot more about our products uh, on our website and get a lot of uh, information about different application areas that uh, customers are using uh, our, our technology today. And as well, you'll see different ways to reach out to us to get more information or to have someone speak to you uh, directly about your particular requirements. Okay. Well, very good. Yeah, I appreciate your time. This has been good, and um, I don't think we got too technical, but yet I think we revealed to people um, some of the possibility with your technologies, lens, and the aerosol jet. Uh, so that's great. I appreciate your time doing this. Great, Richard. Well, I I appreciate you uh, taking the time to have this discussion with Optimec, and um, yeah. we look forward to uh, hearing from. Uh, some of your listeners and uh, helping to understand uh, how they might uh, like to use or are thinking about using uh, 3D printing technology in their operations. You have been listening to Almost Here, a 
Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.